0: Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. The Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise. Of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the kings of the Hittites, the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their asses, even the camp as it was and fled for their lives and when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp they went into one tent and they did eat and drink and carried them silver and gold and raiment and went and hid it and came again and ended into another tent and carried thence also and went and hid it then they said one to another we do not well this day is a day of good tidings, and we hold our peace. If we, if we tarry till the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come that we may go and tell the king's household. I want you to notice verse 6. It says, For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. I'm preaching today the God that goes before. Amen. I I feel like there might be some folks in this room here this morning that you're in the midst of, of situations and in the midst of things that you don't know how, It's going to come out, or what the outcome, you can't even predict what in your mind it's going to be. But God knows what the outcome is. God is in control of everything, and God knows our future, and if we'll have faith in Him, He'll help us to be able to achieve and to see victory in our lives. you believe that? Why don't you raise up your hands with me, and let's pray together that the Lord would help us in the remainder of this service. Jesus, We look to you, we truly desire you, we're believing you, Lord, to help us in this service. I'm praying, God, that you would help faith to rise in this place, your work and will to be accomplished in this house. We thank you, we praise you, we give honor to you in Jesus' name. Would you clap your hands again to the Lord? Praise God, praise God. Thank you for standing and you may be seated. Before we reach this tremendous story that I read to you from here this morning in Second Kings chapter 7, which ends, I believe, in a very triumphant conclusion, we have to go back and learn what, what led to this, what preceded this. And in Second Kings chapter number 6, it contains three individual stories. And really, these three stories could stand on their own merit, and we could preach from any one of them, and there's a lot to be received from each one of these stories and their individual accounts of the powerful things that God provided and the miracles that took place. But when we weave these three stories together, there is a climactic end all of this that really culminates in chapter uh, 7, where God miraculously intervenes for his people who desperately needed him to do so. So I want to take just a brief moment and and walk through these three stories in chapter number 6. The first story the Bible tells us about begins with a group of young men called the Sons of the prophet. These sons of the prophets were men that at a young age had dedicated themselves to training. They had heard and felt the call of God upon their life. And they were giving themselves to study and learning the ways of the Lord. Placed themselves under the influence of mentors that could teach them how to be sensitive. Prophets that could teach them how to. Uh, to hear the voice of God and discern the ways of God. So basically, these young men were apprentice prophets. These were men that felt the call upon their life to become men of God. And they were learning and, and being instructed in how to do so. But this school of the prophets had grown so large that they had run out of room. Uh, Men, young men had gathered and continued to uh, gather at this particular school to learn the ways of the Lord and had grown to such a place that they had no room to house them all. So they came to their leader and stated something that to me is resounding and something that is inspiring to me. They said, The place where we dwell is too straight for us. So right here at the beginning, we we see the vision that these young men had. God is blessing. God is working in our lives. And this thing has grown and flourished to a point that we need a larger place. We need a larger dwelling. And they didn't just bring up uh, the issue of a need and saying that there was the need to build or the need to have a larger place for them to meet in. But they also, uh, in the next portion of that, they, they give us a plan. It's one thing to point out a problem. It's another thing to point out a problem and also bring a solution or a plan to solve the problem. And these young men said, let us go. We're not wanting somebody else to do it. We're not pointing our finger and saying, well, somebody else needs to build it. But let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan, and take thence every man a beam. Let us all join in the building and the construction of this new facility for the sons of of the prophets. We're going to do this together. This is a vision that is not just in the hearts of one, but it's in the hearts of all of us. It's not just something that one person has conjured up, but it is something that all of us agree upon. And so let us go. And every one of these men at the permission of the prophet, Elisha went and did exactly that. But the Bible begins to describe. One young man that was among them, that apparently he was not experienced in felling beams. He was not, in other words, experienced in cutting down trees. He was not a forester. He was not a man that was a carpenter or familiar with any of that kind of thing. No doubt he had other uh, gifts and traits and things uh, that he could offer, but this was not his expertise because he did not own An axe himself. And so he had to go borrow one. But we do have to commend his willingness. We have to commend his desire and his passion to be a part. I may not be as experienced as others. I may not have the ability at uh, cutting down trees and handling an axe like some of my peers do. But I am willing to do my part. I'm willing to do all that I can. Do you know sometimes that's all God expects of us is for us to have desire and openness and a yielding to whatever we can do in saying, God, I just want to be obedient to you. I just want to be a part of your plan. I just want to be used of you in whatever way that I can. And because of his willingness, he is really the central point of this story and the miracle that takes place. You'll be surprised what God will do in your life if you'll make yourself available to Him. You'll be surprised at the miracles that God can do for you if you'll open up your heart and say, Lord, I may not know how. I may not have the experience. I've never done this before. But God, if you'll enable me, and if you'll anoint me, And if you'll help me, I do want to do a work for you. God blesses that kind of an attitude. God blesses that kind of a spirit that a person has that said, I may not have altogether uh, the talents that I need, but I know that God is able to help me. And God is able to make up the margins in my life. That's what grace is really all about. Amen. We take it as far as we can, and then God's grace enables us to go the rest of the way. He makes up the margin in our lives, but He cannot cause us to be desirous. That's our choice. Amen. He cannot make us do anything as far as the work of God is concerned. That's your choice. But when you yield to Him and surrender your life to Him and say, God, I want to be a part of your plan. Get ready. Great things is getting ready to happen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Clap your hands and let's give praise to the Lord. So everyone is working and everyone is doing their part and everybody is doing what they can and this young man is given in everything he's got. And uh, suddenly something happens that, that uh, causes this story to take a turn. As he is failing or cutting this tree, the Bible tells us that the axe head that he is swinging with no doubt great velocity, uh, the end, the axe head comes off of the handle. And it, uh, it doesn't just fall to the ground, but it cartwheels through the air and it finds itself in a body of water. Now, uh, as much as we commend this young man for what he did, I also commend him for what he doesn't do. Thank God that he didn't try to continue in futility to cut down the tree without a sharp edge. Thank God he didn't try to just take the stick that was left in his hand and continue the work, but he stopped right there and realized I cannot continue on without an edge to cut down this tree. There's no use of going any further. I want to tell you there's wisdom in realizing. That there's some things we can't do without God's anointing and without God's blessing and favor upon our lives. It's futility to try to come to church and act like we can get it done by ourselves. It's futility for us to live our lives thinking that we can have victory because we're big enough or great enough or we have the ability to do so. But I want to tell you, if anything is accomplished in the kingdom of of God, it comes to the anointing and the blessing and the touch of God being upon a person's life. Sometimes we make the mistake that if we'll sing faster, if we'll scream louder, and if we'll preach with more intensity, then we'll have victory. We'll see the work of God go forward. Oh, no. Amen. You may learn how to move a crowd. You may learn how to sing on note. You may learn how to preach. Amen. But there's one thing you can't learn, and that's the anointing of God. That comes from heaven. you got to yield yourself and say, God, I want you to work through me. And use me to get the job done. I'm just making myself available. If you'll use me, I know. I know that there'll be victory. I know that you'll help us to accomplish the vision. I know by making myself available, I know that you can help me to see this through to completion amen, amen, amen. I know what he said. He had enough sense to stop and ask for help. There's nothing wrong with that. It didn't matter how long you've been in church. It didn't matter. Matter of fact, if you've been in church very long, you know that you've had to do this a lot of times. It's, it's important that you stop sometimes and say, I'm not going to continue on. I'm not going to try to continue to do this and it not work out and just be frustrated. But I'm going to come back to the altar. I'm going to stop what I'm doing and pray through and get renewed and restored in the Holy Ghost because I must have the blessings of God upon my life. I've got to have the favor of the Lord upon my life. I've to have. It doesn't matter how intelligent you are, it doesn't matter how much accomplishment you have in this life, it doesn't matter how talented you are, you need the anointing of the Holy Ghost to do the work of God. Come on, let's give some praise to the Lord. He stopped right there and he cried out, alas, master. And notice what he said, it was borrowed. It was borrowed. It wasn't even mine. I'm going to tell you, the anointing we have, I'm, I'm not preaching something new. This is not new revelation. But the anointing we have, we can't lay claim to it as being from us. We can't say that it's because of our doing. We, If there's any success, if there be any glory, the Bible said, if there be any praise, think on these things. Understanding and knowing there's no room for pride in the kingdom of God. There's no room for someone else to take the glory in the kingdom of God. There's no room for anyone to get puffed up or big headed in the kingdom of God. There's no room for anybody to take credit from the Lord and to take any accolades because of some accomplishment. I'm going to tell you if we have victory and if we see the work of God complete, it's because God was in it and God blessed it and God worked and God had His way. And somebody just got out of the way and said, God, I want you to use me. Amen. I want you to lead me. I want you to direct me. I want you to speak through me. I want you to sing through me. I want I want you to preach through me. I want you to lead through me. Come on, anybody get what I'm talking about here today. If the job gets done, it's going to be because somebody said, Alas, Master, amen, I realize it doesn't come from me. And if I get it back, it's going to be because of you. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give some real praise. I think it's very important that we realize what the what the preacher said here. Amen. Oh, the worst thing was not that he lost the edge. Amen. The worst thing that he could have done is continued to act like he still had it when he didn't. And the best thing he could do is ask someone to help him. And he said, alas, master. And so Elisha comes and he says... To him, he asked him a question that we all need to ask ourselves when we notice that the anointing has lifted or the blessings and the favor of God has lifted in our life. Amen. When things get to becoming a struggle, when things are not going like they once did, prayers are not answered. And the spirit and the anointing of God and the blessings of God are not flowing like they once did You have to ask yourself the same question that the prophet asked this young son in the gospel. He asked him the question. He said, where fell it? I can just hear him saying, can you retrace your steps and tell me where you last had possession of it? Where was you? What was you doing? What, uh, amen, activity was you involved in when you last had uh, that edge in your life? Uh, Amen. And what was you doing uh, when you lost it? Uh, What kind of thoughts were you thinking? What kind of website was you on? Uh, What what was you doing uh, that caused you to lose it? Uh, Maybe you need to think about that. Who was you hanging around that caused you to lose it? Uh, Where was you thinking of going that caused you to lose it? Uh, Amen. And whatever it is, you need to retrace your steps and get. Back to having that edge in your life, you got to get back to doing the same things that you were doing when you got it in the first place. You remember, it started with a desire to do something for God. It wasn't about you, it wasn't about you being put up on a pedestal, it wasn't about you being the big prophet. But when you got this edge, you had a desire in your heart I just want to do something for God. And if you get that desire in your heart just to do something for God, you'll get it. Back. Got to reveal where it is. Got to show us how to, to be restored and receive it again. Come on, let's clap our hands and give praise. The Bible says that he took a stick and he threw it or cast it into the water, and the iron. That was a substance that this axe head was made out of. It did swim. That's a miracle. It didn't say it floated. It said it swam. You know what that tells me? That tells me that that, that iron head began to come in the direction where they were. Because they didn't have to wait out in the water to get it. Or to find it. But it came in the direction where they could reach down and get it. Because notice what the prophet said. He asked him this. He said, you reach down and you take it up. I want you to get a hold of it for yourself. I'm not going to reach and get it for you. I'm going to just tell you something. There's some things a preacher can help you with. But there's some things that he's limited in. He cannot do your praying for you. He cannot do your repenting for you. He cannot... Be your desire and your passion for you. He cannot be your worship. He cannot be your your hunger for revival. But you got to stir that up yourself. You got to get a hold of that yourself. You, you got to reach and get a hold of this yourself. You got to have something in you that said, "I'm not just going to sit on the sideline and let somebody else do it for me. But I'm going to get a hold of this myself. I'm going to get involved myself. I'm going to be a worshipper myself. Amen. I'm going to love the Word of God myself. I'm going to be obedient." to the word of God myself. I'm going to get some convictions myself. I'm going to get this in my heart myself. He said, reach and get a hold of it. Take it thence." And he took it up. And that was a miraculous story. And then without any segue at all, it moves into this next story. It leaves that miraculous story Happening and takes us without even a good transition and tells us about the king of Syria and how he's complaining to some of his generals and strategists of war. Says, it seems like when we make plans to go down there and attack Israel, it seems like we make the plans and then somebody in this room right here must be disloyal. Because you're telling off and they're always able to outmaneuver us and it falls through. So somebody's got to be telling our secrets in here. And somebody spoke up and said, no, there's nobody telling our secrets. What you don't realize, King, is there's a man of God over there. There's a man of God in Samaria that knows the voice of God. And he's always a step ahead. Their God goes before them. Amen. And, and their God tells that, matter of fact, King, he knows even what you're whispering in your own bedchamber. You go in your room at night and close the door and you think nobody's hearing you. But what you're saying to yourself, he's taken note of. And he speaks to that prophet. And the prophet tells the king of Samaria what to do. And that's how your attack is always circumvented. And so he says, well, i tell you how we can fix that. That's simple enough. We'll just go down and take on the prophet. We'll just kill him or arrest him. And, and that'll, be, that'll be the end of that. And so he takes a a large segment of his army and he goes down to where the prophet is in Dothan and he surrounds, uh, he sees where his tent is and he he surrounds uh, on the mountainside around uh, where his tent is placed in the valley. And the servant gets up early that morning at dawn to go out and take care of a few things. And when he looks out on the horizon, he sees glistening swords and and he sees shields. Uh, he, he sees uh, the breath of the army, uh, that mighty host that has surrounded them coming up in in the dawn air, and he said, oh my God, what's going on now? And he runs back in, his knees smote one against another, and he tells the, the prophet, he said, we got trouble. I'm talking about trouble times 10. we got some big time trouble. You hear me, man of God? If you'll look outside the tent flap this morning, you'll see that there's not just on one front, but they've got us surrounded. They've got us under siege. There's an army that is out there. I don't even know how many that there is, but I know I can count how many of us there is. There's only two of us. And there's a whole bunch of them. And so we're in trouble. And the man of God doesn't even flinch. Because again, God is already speaking to him. God is already telling him. Because God goes before his people. You can't circumvent the plan of God. You can't get out ahead of the plan of God. You can't stop what God is up to. God is not caught by surprise or off guard. But God, Amen, is ahead of everybody. I said he's ahead of the enemy that is devising a plan against you even now. And so so uh, the prophet, uh, he, he, he puts his hand on his head uh, and he prays a prayer. Hey, man, I just kind of imagine he put his hands right there over his eyes and said, Lord, I want you to allow him to see what I see. Because this previous to this prayer, he looked out there and he said, I want you to know that there's more that before us than be against us. So I want you, I want you to give him a revelation of what the real truth is. Not just what he could see with his natural eye. I'm going to tell you there's a world out there that is much more real than anything that you can touch, see, or feel. And that's the spirit realm. Amen. And that spirit realm is a real world that exists. Amen. And everything we see and everything that's going on in this world, it really exists because of that spiritual world that exists that we cannot see with our carnal eyes. With these natural eyes, we may not be able to detect it, but that does does not mean that it's not there. Amen. There's angels at a camp around about them that fear the Lord. That's what the Bible says. And if the Word of God says it, I believe it to be so. I believe when I drive down the highway, amen, I'm not just acting on my own strength as a child of God, but I believe I have protection. I believe I have the hand of God upon me. I believe there's angels of the Lord that go with us. Amen. Protecting us and keeping us. Amen. Nothing Nothing, nothing, nothing happens just by chance. He said, There's more that be with us than with them. Open his eyes that he may see. Amen. And immediately his eyes were open and he saw that there were many more hosts of angels woo, than there was of the army, the Syrians. And while he's open, this is a phenomenal thing to me, and many times we gloss over a lot of details in this story. We only talk about this that I'm talking about right now, but I'm going to take it a little bit further. While he's opening the eyes of one man, while he's praying that God open the eyes of one man, we also understand that he blinds the eyes of other men. The Bible said that he blinded the army of Syria. They were not able to see. They were in confusion. Amen. Suddenly, they'd come down there on the attack. Now they're subservient to the very one that they were going to try to attack. Isn't it amazing, just in a little bit of time, how God can turn things around? I said, isn't it amazing? You've been praying. You've been trusting God. And you feel like you're under siege. You feel like you're under attack. I'm going to tell you, say that God, don't give up on oh, one Sunday morning, just like today. Everything could turn topsy-turvy. It could be a fruit basket turnover in hell today because uh, it meant somebody believed God. Somebody saw something. Somebody, their eyes were open. And God can disconfit the enemy. God can cause that enemy that came against you with such purpose and designs to destroy you. He can cause him to be blinded. like, what do we do now? And the king of Syria asked, where do you want us to go? And he let them, where? He let them right outside of Samaria. The king of Samaria comes and said, what do you want me to do with them? To the prophet. And the prophet noticed this. This is a picture of God's mercy. He said, feed them. Give them bread and water. Amen. These were people that came to destroy him, come to attack him, come against him, come to silence him. And he said, Give them something to eat. Is that how you treat your enemies? Is that how you treat the folks that come against you? Give them something to eat. There was forgiveness in this man's heart. There was a desire. And the Bible says that that was so. They were fed and then their sight returned. And you would have thought that these men would have been appreciative. You would have thought the king of Syria would have said, man, there's no God like their God. I'm just glad to have my sight back. I'm just glad that I got my army back. I'm just glad that it ended well. I mean, it could have been much worse but instead what was their response to mercy it's like a lot of people's today's response to mercy we don't care anything about that and they turn right around and siege the city of Samaria and that's where we get the segue into the next story because the Bible says and after This, or it came to pass after this. You know what? A lot of things in your life can be summed up just in that little phrase. And it came to pass after this. After the trial that was meant to destroy you. After the thing that the devil had plans to bring you down with. After this, you saw the greatest miracle of your life or let's flip this upside down and look at the other side of it it could be man it was a great Sunday night and it came to pass after this Monday morning it was a great marriage ceremony you're afraid to laugh (laughs) but after this came real life you get what I'm talking about amen after this there's there's oh you would have thought that that would have been a nice ending to the story right there but they turn right around and siege the city and now the bible says that the city of samaria is in famine why is it in famine this is not a famine because of the lack of water or a drought, or any of those kinds of things. But it, it looks by the clues that we have in this story that the reason for the famine is because this city has basically been cut off from their harvest field. This army has seeds. That means they did not come and, and, and take over the city itself or go into the city and attack it and destroy and kill. But what they did is they surrounded it and they cut them off from their food sources and their fields. And so they ate up their reserves and there was nothing left. And notice what their diet is. This is not very good right before you go to lunch. But the, the Bible says that they were eating doves' waste and donkeys' heads. And it got so bad and starvation set in. And it was so, so grueling and cruel that they began to devise plans to eat one another's babies. Boil your baby today and mine tomorrow. That's how terrible this famine had reached. How devastating it was. And that's exactly what the devil wants to do to people. He wants to cut you off and separate you from what God has for you. And what God has to sustain you amen. A lot of times uh, he wants just to, he doesn't try to destroy you and in the way that you would think. He doesn't maybe come on with a frontal attack in your life but if he can ever get you to stop praying, then he knows he's separated you from the source of your power. He knows he's separated you from the source of your strength. If he can ever get you to come to church and have a little offense in your heart and, and seize your soul with a little bit of offense and keep you from worship and really tapping in to what God has in the church service and What God is speaking to you from His Word, then He's separated you from the source. He's kept you from being connected to what it is that's going to give you strength. That's how it works. And after a little while, your reserves run out, and you become spiritually famished, and you will die out one day at a time. Amen. Once it's just it's just missing a little here and there, and then suddenly it's only coming one time a week, and then suddenly it's every other week and before you know it you're separated from the source that's how the devil works but notice notice as this king is walking along the wall he sees this lady and she cries out to him and says hey I made a deal with a woman we boiled my child and ate yesterday and we were going to boil hers and eat it today And she has reneged on her deal. And what am I to do? Help me, king. And I want you to notice what he says. He said the barn floor is empty. And the wine press is broken, basically. That's what he said. There's no grapes. And there's no wheat. And there's no way to make bread. And there's no way to make wine. I'm going to tell you, the devil, if there's anything he wants to stop, he wants to stop the Word and the Spirit from going forth in a church. Because he knows that's what gives you strength. He wants to stop the preacher from preaching. He wants people, amen, to handcuff the preacher and say, don't preach about that and don't talk about that. Don't get on that, preacher. Don't, don't Don't be mad. With me there. Just preach me up. Don't 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 ever preach me in a conviction. Don't ever tell me that I'm not living right. Just put a blessing on what I'm doing. I'm gonna tell you if you're gonna survive in the 21st century, it's gonna be because there's bread in the house. It's gonna be because the barn floor is not empty. And if you're ever gonna survive in the 21st century, you're gonna have to have the wine of the Spirit, you're gonna have to have the Holy Ghost touching you and ministering to you and revealing you at every opportunity. And in his desperation, knowing how helpless he was, he takes and he rips, which was a sign of grief in those days, his garment and sackcloth is seen underneath the robe, the king's robe. He had sackcloth on, which is a type of grief and sorrow that was within. You know, a lot of times people can mass things up and dress things up, but there's a lot of hurt down there. And it's in these times that it comes to the surface. And there's times when God reveals what's really going on inside. And so the Bible tells us that these people that were eating doves' waste, donkey's head, there's not much you can get off of a donkey's head as far as meat's concerned. And then they had stooped so low that they were, into cannibalism, consuming their own seed. In other words, consuming their future to survive today. You know, if we're not careful, that's what we could do. Is we could get into the mode of we're just going to live today. We're going to live for today. If I can survive, if I can make it, if I can be blessed, if I can get by, that's all I'm concerned about. I'm going to tell you, God's put it in my heart of late uh, that we better start thinking about the generation that's coming along behind us. You better start thinking about your children and grandchildren Children and great grandchildren if the Lord should tarry you better start thinking about somebody else but just surviving yourself because it isn't going to be long until you're going to lose everything you got it isn't going to be long until you're going to have eaten everything up that you have you're going to have to find a source somewhere God's going to have to bring a harvest I said God is going to have to supply a harvest Oh, let's raise our hands to the Lord and let's talk to Him. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Someone sends a messenger to the house of the prophet. And it's astounding to me what the prophet is doing when they find it. The Bible said he's sitting in his house. He's not pacing the floor. He's not agonizing and biting his nails off to the elbow. He's not even appearing to be worried at all. But this has gotten to the point that it needed to for desperation and desire to take over for God to be able to do what he wanted to do. And he said, hear the word. Of the Lord, tomorrow about this time, fine flour is going to be sold in the gate of Samaria for a shekel. And barley, two measures of barley is going to be sold in the gate of the city for a shekel. That's, that's down there where it used to be. That's, that's the, the market values of times past. You, you haven't been to the marketplace lately, prophet. It's not anything like that right now. They're selling, they're selling uh, doves' dung. They're, they're selling uh, uh, donkey's heads. Man, they're trading one another's babies. You don't realize that's far-fetched to think in a 24-hour period that things could change that much. That would be a miracle. Well, our God is a miracle worker. (laughs) Hallelujah. I'm telling you, our God. And the Bible says that a man whom uh, the king leaned upon, a servant of the king, in other words, uh, he smarted off and he said, if God was to make Windows in heaven, these things couldn't come to pass. This couldn't happen. And the prophet wheeled around and pointed his crooked finger in his face and said, you're going to see it with your eyes, but you're not going to taste it with your mouth. You're not going to get to eat of it. And the Bible said within a 24-hour period, the whole thing turned around. But while this is going on, this is where I really want to go. While this is going on, the Bible says that out there between the Syrian army that had sieged them and Samaria that was in famine, right in the middle of all of that, there were four leprous men. I call this the madness of the middle. You know that's where miracles take place is when you're getting ready sometimes it seems to lose your mind when it seems like uh, if things are not nearly able to be figured out uh, when when it seems like uh, you had a plan and the plan has taken a right turn it seems like everything uh, is not as it should be and you're in the middle in the throes of it uh, and you're thrust into the center point uh, of something and you you realize hey, hey I didn't bargain for this I didn't want this uh, these, these men had lived off the leftovers of the city but now the city is in famine. History tells us that they would pass bread through the walls and leftovers through the walls and the breaches of the walls to these lepers so that they could have something to eat or they would dig around in the refuse of the city, the garbage dump and they'd find something to eat there but there was always something left over but now everything is being used. People are trying to just scratch out an existence and survive and there's nothing left over and so they're going hungry and they're sitting there wondering what to do and finally somebody stands up and said I got a little proposal for you why sit we here till we die hey if we go into the city they're not doing any better than we are but I smell an aroma coming from the enemy's camp they've been cooking something over there If we go over there and they kill us, we but die. We're going to do that if we sit right here. Why don't we get up where we are and make a march over there to where the Syrians are. And if they take us in and they feed us, then we're all the better for it. And we'll survive and we'll make it. But if if they kill us, that's the very worst that could happen. And that's going to happen anyway. Instead of dying one day at a time between now and whenever it happens. Instead of just dying one little increment at a time. I'd, I'd rather just go and get it over with. I'd rather step out and walk in faith than to sit here in doubt any day. I'd rather get up where I am and go march towards the enemy camp than to sit here in fear and unbelief and, and scratching my head wondering where my next meal is going to come from. Come on, go ahead and stand with me right now. And so the Bible says they got up on feeble legs and eight feeble legs began to make their way down to the enemy's camp. And when they got there, they could not even hear their steps from their ear to the ground. But the Bible says that God put an amplifier on each one of their feet and a microphone of heaven on each one of their feet. And suddenly, what was just four men, I'm talking about four weeks feeble men walking to the enemy's camp suddenly sounded like a great host. It actually sounded like three armies. They said they got together with the Assyrians. They got together with the Hittites. They got together with the Egyptians and the Israelites. And they've all come together, those three armies. The Hittites, the Egyptians and the Israelites. And it looks like they've come against us and they're going to siege and take us over. And they got up from their tables where they were getting ready to eat their meat and flee. Amen. They ran away. And when they went into one tent, there was all they could eat and more. And they went to the next tent, and there was all they could eat and more. And they said, We do not well. There's not just enough for us, but there's enough for the city. Amen. We gotta get the city out here so they can eat, so they can enjoy, so they can have. I'm going to tell you, when you respond in faith, there's not just going to be enough to meet your need. There's not going to just be enough for your family. There's not just going to be enough to take care of where you're at and what you're going through and the thing that you face. But God's got more than enough grace. God's got enough power. God's got enough provision to take care of every need that is in this place this morning. And even more. Somebody ought to raise their hands towards heaven and cry out to it. Woo. But I'm going to tell you the miracle's not in the setting. The miracle's not just in the staying the miracle's not just in being where you are right now. The miracle is in stepping out. The miracle's in walking towards it. The miracle is in getting out of where you are and saying, I'm not going to live here another day in discouragement, disappointment, fear, and unbelief and doubt. I'm going to step out in faith. I'm going to believe God. Is there somebody who wants to join me? Is there somebody is tired of being where you are in discouragement and depression and fear? Step out of that. There's a miracle waiting on you there's hope here in this altar for you there's anointing there's a fresh anointing that can come to your life let's make our way come on somebody make your way to this front and say God I put it in your hands God I trust in you I'm walking towards you I know you'll never leave me I know you'll never fail me you'll never let me down you'll never let this thing just go amen without there being a response from heaven God, come on! Somebody cry to Him right now! Somebody call Him!